Start small. Do what you can do. You know, if you can only walk to the end of your driveway, walk to the end of your driveway. Walk to get the mail. Take a walk with your dog. Go to the park. Walk to the first tree you see and walk back. You know, if that's all that you can do, awesome. Do that. But be consistent. That was Derek Mitchell, and this is the Yogi Triathlete Podcast. Hello, Yogi Triathlete Podcast listeners. Thank you for returning for another episode. My name is Jess, and I am your weekly guide here at the YTP, a show where we share the lives of people who are looking, finding, and living their purpose. Now, I've been talking a lot about this purpose thing. You know, I believe it was last week that I promised you all that we all have one. In fact, that we are all placed here on this earth with a divine hope that we will in fact find out what the heck it is that we're supposed to do here. And I just wanna make one thing clear. This purpose thing, it's not always pretty and it's not always enjoyable. In fact, it's the scariest pursuit I've ever taken on and it's filled with challenge, but I believe this is so that our humanness will get peeled away right? That we no longer rely on the black and white of data and information, but that we are led beyond the physical world and into the divine. Now, that said, just know that purpose doesn't have to be a New York Times bestseller or helping people in war-torn countries or having 20,000 Instagram followers. Although for some people, those will be the characteristics of their purpose. But I guess what I'm saying is that Purpose, what I want you to know is that purpose is found in every moment. It's found in the mundane. And it's within that that our opportunity lies for mastery. And mastery and purpose go hand in hand. And if your purpose is to be a street sweeper or a musician or a restaurant owner or the president, just do it with everything you are. Everything you are. There's no purpose that's greater than another. And know that only through living each moment as fully as we can will we be guided to what our purpose is in each breath we take. It's multi-layered and it is multifaceted and it's yours and mine and theirs to find out. And many times it can feel like a battle, but it's will and faith and belief in ourselves that when we are aligned, there's no stopping us from being exactly who we decided to be before we even came into this world. It was back in September that I first saw Derek Mitchell's video, and it was in that exact present moment that I was paying attention and that I knew we would connect with him on the show. But at the time, we had no plans of traveling through Kansas City, but we trusted We trusted that it would reveal itself when all was in right order. And it wasn't long after this that a series of reroutes occurred on our trip. Big surprise. And a trickle-down effect from one thing to another now had us passing directly through Kansas City the following month. We knew without question that it was all because we were to meet up with Derek and share his story. And so we did. Derek Mitchell is an athlete, and he is someone who is becoming a master of the 5K distance. 
Never his plan, of course, but after stepping on the scale during a doctor's visit in November of 2014, which revealed the truth of his weight of 625 pounds, Derek knew without a doubt it was time to put the excuses aside and take charge of his health. And so, like millions of others looking for a new start in January, the first of the year rolled around and Derek began a new chapter in his life. His resolutions, quit soda, eat healthier, and reduce his portion sizes. He came out of the gate with a bang in 2015, and although his cravings for his soda were intense, he stuck to his choice for change. His sister, a marathon runner, saw a missing piece in Derek's plan and encouraged him to start exercising. What happened from there has gained Derek national media attention and drawn tens of thousands of supporters to his Facebook page. Derek has discovered the gift of movement, the power of community, and the limitless chain of inspiration. He is so genuine and generous with his story in hopes that it may help spark a change within others. But also he uses his own story for his own inspiration. Derek is without a doubt living his purpose and without a doubt fully in the battle. He has faced fear and failure and success and joy. He's pushed through massive amounts of pain, ended up in an ambulance and injured himself But without these failures, these quote-unquote failures, Derek questions how can we ever experience true success? Derek is willing to be vulnerable, something that so many of us resist at all costs. I know I did for decades. He is willing to get uncomfortable, and he's willing to fail. These are the characteristics that creates a person of purpose, and we are so excited to share with you today, the Derek Mitchell story. Yeah, if you ever question my nerdity, I've got that. What's that? Um, There was a show, it's from a TV show. Um, There was a a movie, do you remember a movie called Stargate? Yeah. Way back in the 90s? Yeah, way back in the 90s. Way back. When I was in college, (laughs) yeah. And then Stargate SG-1, the series that ran for 10 years. Yeah. That was based off of the show. Yep. That's the, the the home symbol for Earth. Oh, I love it. From the show. And then, have you guys seen my other tattoo? My With 5K the, the tattoo? The 5K tattoos. I saw With it on Pac-Man. a video. Mm-hmm. Love it. Pac-Man. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's awesome. That's kind of my nod to, uh, you know, the old 8-bit video games that I grew up with. You yes. Know, the, yeah, I love those Pac-Man. I always used to love going out to dinner with my parents because they would have a Pac-Man. A lot of times they would have like Pac-Man those the, like table, table. Yeah. Pac-Mans. Yeah, and we could always go and, and play with that. All right, so this is a good segue right into the 5Ks. The um, We're going to get into your story and all okay. that stuff, but you have a tattoo on your leg. Yes. And every time you complete a 5K... You add to it. Well, I, I have. I'm trying to add it in batches, just because it's a certain amount, a certain price for, like per hour. Right. And so I don't want to pay like sixty bucks to get one dot. Right. <laughs> so um, I need to. Right now it's sitting at thirty seven. I think the tattoo is, and I just finished number forty seven since last March, um, this past Sunday. So within the next couple of weeks, I need to get my tattoo updated. To the correct number of squares that Pac-Man's going to eat. <laughs> and so when I was looking at your schedule, you're a busy dude. 
Mm-hmm. So you're working full time. Yes. I love this because it's going to it's going to lead into our there are no excuses people. <laughs> Get out there and move. Um so that's where we're going everyone. But you're working full time. Mm-hmm. Plus you told me you're doing kind of like you do kind of like a second job where you're doing the the quiz at yeah, the, the pub, pub quiz. which is awesome. And that's one um, night a week, yeah. And it looks like you're traveling almost every weekend for a 5K. Is that correct? Um, just about. I mean, it, at the first half of the year, I was really busy, and then I got kind of a break during the summer. And um, last, yes, uh, this past weekend, I was in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. This coming up weekend, I'll be in Atlanta. And then um, I have three races, uh, three traveling races scheduled in November. I'll be in Hollywood Beach, Florida, and then. Philadelphia, and then Louisville, Kentucky. Oh, cool. That's where we yeah, just, just came from we today. We spent three weeks there. So oh, nice. the, the yeah. whole reason why we're sitting across from you right now, not only because you emailed us right back and was like, I'm in. <laughs> um, we were in, gosh, I think we were in Asheville, North Carolina at the time, and a good friend of mine sent me your video on Facebook. And so when I saw your video... It was just so clear to me that you have a huge purpose on this earth and you're now living it. For you, how you were really brought out into this world to start serving your purpose was was around a doctor's visit back a couple years ago. Is that correct? Um, it was actually six years ago. I um, went to a doctor. I was I. <laughs> it's kind of a long story leading up to my journey, but. Um, I was working at a place down in Springfield, Missouri, and I started getting really bad headaches and blurry vision, and um, it was an over-the-phone tech support position, and I was on the phone with a customer, and I blacked out in the middle of the conversation. Oh, my gosh. And I woke up on the ground with people surrounding me, and so I went to the doctor, and they heard blurry vision, um, headaches, bloody... I also had some bloody noses and blackout, and so they immediately did an MRI, and they found that I had a... I currently have a uh, it's a non-cancerous tumor called a prolactinoma, and it sits on my pituitary gland, and it secretes an enzyme called prolactin that blocks my body's ability to produce testosterone. And um, my doctor said that testosterone is is aside from it controls mood, it controls energy levels, it controls drive, but the big thing is it controls metabolism. And he said that people with those types of tumors and obesity just kind of go hand in hand, that it's very difficult with, for someone with those types of tumors to lose weight. And so they put me on a medication to shrink the tumor. It's, it's one of the very rare tumors that can actually be shrunk by medication. And so at the time that I was taking that for the past five years, um, I was basically using that as the hormone imbalance as an excuse to basically say, well, I don't, I don't have to work out and I don't have to try to eat right. I'll wait until my hormones are, are in balance and, and they're leveled out correctly. And then I'll start trying to get the weight off, you know, the normal way. Right. Just a different way to say like, I'll start on Monday yeah. or I'll start <laughs> on was, January 1st. It was a, basically, it was a huge procrastination. It was, it was me using that as a crutch. And um, I went to the doctor in November of 2015 for kind of a checkup and everything. And um, I started getting big when I, was, when I was supposed to go through puberty when I was about 13, 14 years old. When I was little, I was super skinny, hyperactive. I played every sport known to man. I, was, I played basketball. I played soccer. I played baseball. I was super active. 
And then when I hit 13 or 14, when I was supposed to go through puberty, uh, my mom just said I just basically slowed down. And I spent more time on the couch inside than I did going outside. And over the years, I just got progressively heavier. And um, when I went to the doctor in November of 2015, or 2014, sorry, and um, they put me on the scale and I was at 625 pounds. And that was the heaviest I had ever been. And when I saw that number on the scale, it was just kind of, I'm not waiting for my hormones anymore. And so it, it started off really simply with a New Year's resolution to cut out soda. I wanted to stop drinking soda and I wanted to start trying to eat healthier meals, smaller portion sizes. And so I used that as a New Year's resolution. And so January 2015, I cut out soda, cold turkey. I started um, going for salads. I started doing smaller portion sizes. And my sister um, was a former marathon runner and, and roller derby girl. <laughs> she ran the Chicago Marathon in 2010. And she said, it's great that you're making these kind of changes, but you need to add physical exercise. You need to at least just get out there and walk. And so I just started walking around my neighborhood. I started with a block and <laughs> it was kind of funny because my mom said I got back from the walking around the block and she thought I was having a heart attack, you know, <laughs> just because, you know, it was just, it wasn't what my body was used to, but I kept getting out there, kept, you know, walking, going out every night. And pretty soon I was going up to two blocks, three blocks, and there was a stoplight that was down the road from my house. And that was kind of like my beginning goal. I started walking on January 15th. That was the first day that I went out for a walk in my neighborhood. And I don't remember when I hit, when I made it to that stoplight, but I remember, um, I wish we still had the selfie because I, I, I took a selfie with the stoplight and sent it to my mom. Like I made it to the stoplight. I'm here. I'll be, can you come pick, <laughs> can me, can you come pick me up? I actually did make it back and I found out that from my house to the stoplight was three quarters of a mile. And so, so it was a mile and a half. It was a mile and a half. And I got to where I was averaging around two miles a day. And so my sister again, she's like, you know, why don't we sign you up for a 5K as a way to help keep you motivated to work out every day, help keep you motivated to keep getting out there, keep walking so that you're ready for the 5K. And um, because we'd actually done a 5K as a family back in 2011 down in Joplin. And so I knew I could do one. I mean, that one took me just shy of two hours. <laughs> and got so, it done. Um, I knew I could do one. And so um, we, I signed up for the Big 12 5K here in Kansas City. And uh, and so I get got out. And when I was doing the workouts uh, and continuing to walk and everything, getting ready for that first 5K, uh, we decided why not just kind of extend that throughout the year. And my original goal for 2015 was to do, starting in March, do a 5k a month through the rest of the year as a way to help keep me motivated to keep walking. And so, um, I did my first, I did the first 5k of 2015 in March here in Kansas city. And, uh, <laughs> while I was out on the course, unbeknownst to me, my mom was talking me up to the race announcer, the guy who announces people's names and everything. And he was good friends with, um, one of the newscasters for Fox four news here in Kansas city. And so he got my story to them, and by the following Monday, I had done an interview with them, and then that got picked up nationally, and I did an interview with Runner's World Magazine, and that's when everything started snowballing. At that first 5K? <laughs> From the first 5K. So that was so 
validating that you were <laughs> doing exactly what you're supposed to be doing. And this this was 2015. This is 2015. Okay. This is last year. Okay. And so I did one. I did 5K in March. I did one in April, and then I did two in May, and then I did three in June, and it just kind of <laughs> it snowballed from there. And I actually finished off my original goal for 2015 was was going to be 10 5Ks, which was a 5K a month starting in March, going through December. I ended up 2015 with 21 5Ks, two 10Ks, and half of a Tough Mudder. I um, made it halfway through the St. Louis Tough Mudder. <laughs> nice. How did I, you get involved in that one? Um, that was actually a, uh, a really good friend of mine um, named Pedro. Um, he contacted me and he kept egging me on to get out there and said that, you know, Tough Mudder Nation, leave no mudder behind. It doesn't matter what it takes. We'll get you through. And so... Um, it was it was one of the worst and one of the best experiences of my life, like all coupled together. Um, I encountered seven obstacles, I attempted six obstacles, and I completed five obstacles. And wow. um, uh, <laughs> when we get done here, I'll show you a video um, that you guys can, if you want, you can share on your podcast. Yeah, we'll put of, it in the show notes. Of... Um, what he calls the trailer, which he's working on another video of me uh, at the 5K, but it's a really very inspirational video that he made that I, I, I've watched it like a hundred times and I tear up every single time just because of the way he made the video and it's really cool. I love it. You're serving as your own inspiration. <laughs> yep. Right? Because nobody, nobody's going to do this except for you. Yep. Right? And I'm actually, um, I've been talking to some other people and I think I'm going to go back to St. Louis um, next year. Um, in October because they just did the Tough Mudder uh, like a couple weeks ago and so um, and St. Louis and so I think I'm going to go 2017 and we're going to um, get another group together and do it again. Do you feel like you have some unfinished business with the Tough Mudders? Um, possibly, yeah. I want to see if I can make it, you know, more than seven obstacles, um, at least, you know, more than five miles because it's a 10-mile obstacle course and I made it five miles, so. Awesome. So do you feel... Um, so that sounds like that was out of the norm. Like you're doing these 5Ks and then 10Ks and then Tough Mudder seems to be something new. So it sounds like you have no fear. Like you're, you're open to possibilities and I mean, doing some The way I figure events. it, I'll try anything once. I mean, the worst that I can do is fail. <laughs> and uh, one of my favorite phrases is um, that someone told me is a dead last finish beats a did not finish beats a did not start. And so even if I finish last, you know, I still finished. Mm -hmm. Even if I didn't finish, I still started it. And so, you know, there's, there's always ways that I can, you know, because I've had a couple races that I did a 5K here in Kansas City that I was not prepared for the mugginess. I was, <laughs> it was the rock the crossroads. I did it last year. This year it was way hotter and muggier than it was, than I was expecting. I got a mile into it, and I ended up in the ambulance in um, <laughs> with uh, IV in my arm <laughs> and cold compresses on my neck and under my armpits because I got overheated. They gave me my medal even though I didn't think I deserved it <laughs> because I didn't cross the start and the finish line, but um, that that medal is still at home. I, I haven't I in my mind I have an asterisk next to it. You know, it's <laughs> it's it's that I was out there, but I didn't finish. Um, and it's not one of my count that I, um, my current count that's going to go on my tattoo, but I still got out there. And so, 
you know, I, I DNF'd, but I still started. So yeah, I think getting out there, I mean, just getting to the starting line, just getting there to get into the pool, to get, to get out the front door. Like those are major wins. And I I think we get caught up in the whole, you know, fulfilling the end result and, and the timing of everything. But I think just getting out there. And I think that's one of the biggest fears, at least that I've talk that people have talked to me about they're like they're afraid that they don't want to be the biggest person out there they don't want to be the slowest person out there they don't want to finish last mm-hmm. a lot what a lot of people don't know about the running community is just absolute there's so much support i mean there is no i've never been at a race ever in my life and heard negativity and heard people complaining about you know somebody who came in last or complaining mm-hmm. about this that and the other I have, you know, when I did an interview with um, Kansas City Star, and they asked me what I expected the response to be. And to be honest, <laughs> I know that there is a lot of positive people out there, but I also know there's some negative people. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, that's just the world we live in. And so they asked me what I expected the response to a person of my size getting out there and doing all these races. And... In my mind, when I first started, when my story first started getting out there, I, my, my percentage in my head was, I figured it was going to be about 75% positive and 25% negative. Even to this day, it's, it's closer to about 97% positive and 3% negative. I mean, it's just so overwhelmingly positive that the negative numbers just kind mm-hmm. of, it's negligible. And it, you get overwhelmed by this positivity and this encouragement and, you know, that's what I love about social media is you have all these running groups and all these different um, people that just inspire you so much that it makes you want to keep getting out there. And so I 2015, my goal was 10 races and I did 21. And so 2016, um, I decided to go for a lofty goal, <laughs> a loftier goal. And so my goal this year has been 35 Ks. And as of this past weekend, I've completed 27, no, 26. I've completed 26 5Ks. Wow. So you unscheduled to blow away that, that goal of 30? Well, uh, just the ones that I already have booked, I'll hit 30. But, I mean, because I'll have this weekend in Atlanta, and then I have, um, so that's 27. Hollywood Beach, Florida is 28. Philly is 29. Knoxville is 30, and then San Antonio in December is 31. Okay. So even just the ones that I already have booked, then I'm going to surpass the goal. I mean, I've got other weekends peppered in there that I can try to hit 35, but... (laughs) Yeah, it's um, good to set yourself up. These are the ones that will get you to the number, and then whatever comes after that. But, I mean, now, 2017, I have to go for, like, 40 or something, so... (laughs) Raise the bar. Yeah. And can people come and run with you? Oh, yeah. See, I... Most of the time when I'm out there, I love listening to music um, just because it helps keep me moving and keep me going. But something I've found out that I love more than listening to music is I love talking to people. I love just hearing life stories, interacting with them, talking about my story, hearing about their story. I mean, I can put the music away and talk to them, and it just makes the 5K go so much quicker just talking back and forth with them. So... What you've been describing is this 
like this limitless chain of inspiration. Like people look to you and they say, oh my gosh, you're such an inspiration. I saw your video and thought, oh my gosh, we have to bring him to our audience because he's so inspiring. But you're pulling inspiration from other people. Oh yeah. I mean, and, I, and I can only imagine that you're, you're getting emails and stories from people who, you're gonna get them from people who say, I'm too scared to start, but you're gonna get them from people who say, I'm too scared to start, but I did it anyway. One of the first messages that I got was from a lady who lives in Moberly, which is about a couple hours away. Her name is Tiffany. And um, she said that when she when my first my fourth story first broke, she said that when she saw my story, she was signed up, she had signed up for her first 5K as a result of my story. Her and I have actually done two 5Ks since then. We did the uh, the Glow Run here in Kansas City last year and the Groundhog 5K here in Kansas City earlier this year, which is an awesome 5K because it's a 5K and a 10K that both start and end inside a cave. It is it is the only fully underground metered 10K in the, the world that is completely underground. It starts and ends. We have a um, office park here in Kansas City. Um, that it, it's all, all underground, like there's businesses and everything. And this goes through the parking lots of that parking structure and it's all in a cave underground. What? Yeah. That's crazy. Awesome. And it is cra- that's so last- is it dark? Oh no, they have it lit up. They have lights in the ceiling and they have, um, I'd be too scared to start Derek. I'd be too scared to start. I don't <laughs> think I could do it. It was funny because last year I wasn't at it last year, but the stories they tell me last year is that because it takes place in February, it goes around groundhog day. That's why it's called the mm-hmm. groundhog. And last year we had a huge ice storm around February. And so, but they still had the 5K because inside the cave is like 60 degrees. Right. And so it was so funny because these people would show up and they would show up in like huge parkas and, and everything. <laughs> that would be us. And then they would get down into the cave and then they would shed everything off and have the, the, the running tanks and the shorts and everything underneath it because it was like 60 degrees inside the cave. <laughs> So you inspired um, Tiffany, and since you guys have connected and you've shared experience together, it's so beautiful the way it all yeah. works. And what's um, her current? Is she still going with oh, yeah. 5K? She still does 5K. She does them locally. Um, sometimes she, if she can't get out to a 5K, she'll get on a treadmill and do a 5K there. Good for her. That's amazing. <coughs> and the other thing that I'm pulling out from you is that you have a very strong will. Right. And so will is a part of our minds that allow us to focus on something. And so for you, it's, you know, that finish line or getting to the start line, whatever it is, it can change. It's, it's very, uh, it's, it's pliable, but it's, um, you've got that goal. And what will allows us to do is it allows us to focus on that, right? Like that is the end goal. So all the things that are going to come up between point A and point B the fear, the doubt, we, the will that we have, we can see through all of that and it supersedes all of these um, you know, emotions that we may be having and a lot of emotions that keep people on the couch. So my question is, I think you were born with this because you're telling me you were athletic and active when you were younger. And so I wanna dig in just a little bit here into your story. Like, did you feel a shift in your like state of being in that like will that drive that motivation of life when you hit like that age of 13 like what what happened there do you remember that I, time? honestly I don't remember back um that far um you know to when I was 13 or 14 years old um we just 
like I didn't know that I had a testosterone deficiency at the time. Yeah. Like um, I, nobody knew to check for that. You know, then nobody knew to check for a macroadenoma, prolactinoma, right. you know, on your pituitary gland. And I just know that I, I, I don't know if I just became, became more complacent or, or what it was. I just didn't have the drive that I used to when I was younger. I mean, I just didn't want to, I wanted to stay inside and eat little Debbie cakes and <laughs> play video games. And I didn't want to go outside and be active. I was more comfortable staying inside. I honestly don't know. I don't know how to answer that question. I'm sorry. No. And what was the span of time between that started to hit and that, that, that change in your life to the time when you were diagnosed with the, um, so the, I was diagnosed around when I was 30 years old. Okay. When I was, uh, so, so about six years ago. Okay. So we're talking like, um, eight, 17 years, 17 years that you were pretty sedentary in your life. And I mean, I had tried like different diets over Mm -hmm. the years and, and all of them, I would lose about 40 pounds and then I would plateau and then I would get upset and then I would eat a half a carton of ice cream or something like that. That's that's a really (laughs) common, um, cycle for people. Diets are not the answer. It's a, it's a, yeah, it's a lifestyle it's change. It's a lifestyle change. Thank you very much. And your sister was so right on when she said, okay, the the, the soda's great. Like, you're not doing that anymore, but you need to move. Like, it's mm-hmm. a package deal. Wellness is a package deal. It's not – there's no quick fix either, mm-hmm. would you say? Like, yeah. there's no quick fix. Nor is it – nor is it easy. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is not. I, um, I – uh, one of my friends um, has a blog that he uh, runs called Marathon Training for Life, and he asked me to write a um, article for it. And um, I, it was just you know tips and things that I'd learned starting out and everything. And you know I, I did the whole number one for, first and foremost, especially if you're anywhere near my size, talk to your doctor, which I did. You know made sure that he was all on board with me doing five Ks. Um, the thing with me that I'm kind of conf- confusing to some doctors because I've never had high blood pressure issues. I've never had blood pressure issues. I've never had cholesterol issues. I've never had blood sugar issues. All of the normal things that you would associate with obesity, like if you were go down the list of everything, like all the different blood tests and everything, it's all normal, 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 normal until you get to weight. And that's where I'm out of whack. And so... Because of the, and he even listened to my heart and lungs, everything there is perfect, you know, and so he was okay with me going out and doing that. And then my next tip that I gave people was listen to your body, do what you can do. If you can only walk a block, walk a block. But the, the key is, is inconsistency because once you get out there more and more, then one block turns into three blocks, which turns into half a mile, which turns into two miles, you know, it's just, it snowballs. And um, the, <laughs> the biggest thing for me that you have to understand before you start anything like this is you're going to fail. You're going to screw up at some point. You're you're going to have be running late for lunch and have to stop at McDonald's. You're going to, you know, have these things that pop up in your life where you're going to have to skip your workout, where you're going to have to skip different things. But the key is not to wallow in those failures. It's not to, man, I just I can't believe I did that. I'm just 
I don't even want to know why I'm doing this. The key is to get up, dust yourself off, move forward, get back on with your plan. I mean, once you understand that failure is a part of success, it's only when we get past those failures that we're able to achieve true success, in my opinion. I don't know if that makes any sense. No, it does. You're so speaking our language. Your message is, is on point for sure. My question is, you tried diets. You, you did the, the up and the down and the plateau and the why this isn't even worth it. What changed? What was it about going to the doctor that day and getting on the scale and saying, all right, that's it. I'm done. Was it just a moment of like, I'm done? I think it was when I saw the number 625. Mm-hmm. When I saw that number, it's like... It beca- did it become just real? How did I get myself to this to that number? How did I get myself... Because, I mean, I hadn't stepped on a scale in probably three or four years. And when I when I looked down and I saw that number, I was like, no more excuses, no more blaming your hormones, no more blaming any of this. You need to make a change. Was there like a pause, like when you saw those numbers? Were you, was, you, was it almost like... Yeah, time kind of slowed down. Yeah. I mean, it was... Uh, I saw that and I was like, oh, crap. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. it's like I, I let myself get to that position. And... um it's kind of funny because one of the videos that – because there's been several different videos on the New York Post and everything. But one of the videos – I don't know who writes the headlines for these things. But um, they used the phrase, he found out he was 625 pounds. It wasn't like I Yeah, woke I up saw that a lot. I was like, you know, I think he had oh, It wasn't like I woke a- up one day. It's like, well, <laughs> yesterday, I was two, yesterday I was 200. Today I'm 625. What happened? You know, it was definitely a gradual thing. You know, it was it – was, Oh, it was definitely like a frog in a hot plate kind of thing, you know, yeah. where it was gradual and I was like, I'm okay, I'm okay, I'm okay, I'm okay. And then went to the doctor, 625, I'm not okay. Yeah, <laughs> it was like a slow boil. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, it, you just started to boil all over the stove when you yeah. got on, on the scale that day. And one thing that you touched upon earlier was like the consistency, right? So consistent to, um, to, just get out there, whatever you can do. If it's going to the street like and back, like it's fine. Just get the consistency. Don't beat yourself up because the consistency is everything. But the consistency can go the other way. And when I was asking you earlier about the shift in your life to when you became more sedentary, you were like, I don't know, I just got more complacent. And so it can work in the way where... You know, you're sitting on the couch, 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 you're consistent with sitting on the couch. You're mm-hmm. consistent with sitting there, plugging in, doing video games, not being outside, not breathing the fresh air, um, you know, getting whatever your hands are, eating mindlessly. Like, did you find yourself just eating? In yeah, front? I yeah. mean, I, I, I do it. I totally do it. I try not to. I, but just eating, not even realizing the, the amount of calories or what you're putting in your body. I also found out that I'm, all, that I'm a stress eater. And the, mm. the way that I found that out um, was, um, is probably 14 years ago, I think, 12 years ago, my dad was in a really bad um, accident. He used to drive a truck for um, um, over-the-road 18-wheeler, you know, and he used to drive, a, um, and he was, at the time he was on a, what's called a bid run where he would go from Springfield to Kansas City and back like three times a, a week. And... Um, he was coming back from Kansas City, and uh, his right front steer tire blew on his truck, and he was pulling doubles. 
and when the right front steer tire blew, it pulled him off the road, and his truck rolled two and a half times down a 100-foot embankment. Oh, my gosh. And he ended up upside down. The truck was upside down. He was hanging by his seatbelt. Um, they got him out of the truck, took him to the local hospital there in Bolivar, life-flighted him to uh, Springfield, which is about 30 minutes south of Bolivar, and um, he was in a coma for 22 hours. His back was broken in several places. And um, when you're, no matter what age you are, your dad is like Superman. I mean, he is like your biggest hero. And so um, I was going to college in Springfield at the time, and my aunt picked me up from college and took me over. <laughs> it's kind of funny now because my dad is deathly allergic to iodine IV. And that's one of the first things they do when, if you're in a coma is they get you on an iodine IV. And so she parked the car and was running into the ER because we got there right as the helicopter was landing. And so she runs in allergic to iodine IV, you know, screaming at them, telling them don't give him that. And so the first time I walked in, you know, to where my dad was, um, you know, he's supposed to be your hero. He's supposed to be indestructible. He's supposed to be Superman. And I walked in and he's got this the neck collar on and everything's pushed up and he's got tubes coming out of his nose and mouth and the whole right side of his head is just matted with blood. And I remember looking at him and then immediately going to the waiting room and plowed through a box of cheeses. I mean, I was just sitting in there. I didn't want to talk to anybody. I was sitting in the waiting room just throwing cheeses in my mouth. And it was, it was, you know, I, and so I, <laughs> Very much a stress eater, you know, very much a, uh, you know, and, and, you know, so I had to work, you know, he ended up having several surgeries and, and, um, he's okay now. I mean, he's permanently disabled as a result of the accident. And so he doesn't work. And, um, but, um, <clears throat> you know, it's, it's moments like that, that remind me that food is very, um, powerful, it can be very powerful. Um, and so it's it's very, it's something that can be used as a drug in some cases, you know. And and the, the problem with that is that if someone is a heroin addict or a cocaine addict or something like that, the quickest way to solve them of that is to get rid of the of, of the drug to get rid of it completely so that they don't have, but with food, you can't get rid of food completely. I mean, it's something that we need on a daily basis to survive. And so it's not about removing it completely. It's about learning how to, um, eat it correctly and about how to, um, use it for what it's intended, which is fuel for the body. And, and you also talk about soda too. So your your soda. What was your soda intake oh, like before? At, before? Because this is something people can I think relate to very well. Very. Mine was the clear sodas. So Sierra Mist, Sprite, not Seven Up. I hated that stuff. But um, maybe like four, five, twenty ounces a day, something like that. And you were able to stop that. Yeah. I, Cold. I, January 1st, because I used it as a New Year's resolution. I was like, I'm not drinking soda anymore. I, I wanted a complete shutdown of all carbonated beverages. Right, because that's, it's almost like dangling a little 
carrot in front of you. Like, that's almost the drug itself. So yeah. That. Yeah. Oh, so does without question. I mean, the the food that you, like soda and cheese. It's the the problem with that food is that it it is um, it is designed to be addictive. Yeah. It is designed to want. To, to make you want more and more and more and more of it. So it hits your pleasure centers, but just like it hits them just shy of you being fully satisfied. Yeah. So you want to go back. Have you ever heard of that book, um, Fat, Sugar, Salt, or Salt, Sugar, Fat? It's those three words. It's a really interesting book, and it's all, it, it dives into like the R&D that goes behind sodas and packaged foods and all of the money that's put into them to hit these pleasure centers, like to just stimulate them just enough to keep you wanting more. Mm-hmm. Um, but you hit on something so potent when you said, you know, f- the, the one thing, and, I, and I've heard about this with quote unquote food addicts. There's a woman, Chef AJ, she's got a great story. She was a food addict. And she said the same exact thing that you said, that the problem with food is that it's not like heroin where I can live without it. Like I need to, I needed to change my relationship to it. And it's the same thing with stress. Stress is going to happen in life. It's our relationship to the stress. That's, that's the core issue. Mm-hmm. So that moment when your dad was... Um, it, suffered that terrible tragedy and you had to go through it, were you realizing in that moment or are you looking back now saying, whoa, that was, that was the moment now I see that I was a stress eater or did you feel it in that moment? Oh, at the moment, no. I just was, you know, it but that's, the Cheez-Its and I was hungry. I mean, yeah, and it was just, <laughs> it wasn't, it's just It wasn't vivid. that I realized that I was stress eating. I mean, it's looking back now yeah. that I knew that, you know, I just, I wanted to zone everything out and I wanted to... Um, Cheez-Its are delicious and I want to eat them and forget about what I just saw. Yeah. You know? there's, there's no different of what you just described than um, somebody who's addicted to cocaine or an Alcohol. alcoholic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's the numbing out, right? And so when we wake up, which um, you have woken up, you woke up for sure that day in the doctor's office and you're you're changing your life and you said it's not easy. It's not easy to make those changes. So what is it when... Have you had these mornings where you wake up and the weather's awful and you just want to stay in bed, but you get up anyway and you go yeah. out and you do your training, right? Like at, this is such a key thing for an athlete, which you are. What is it that gets you out of bed when so many people pull the covers back up and they don't get out and they say, what does it matter? It's just another day of me doing nothing. I think one of the biggest things that helped me is just the amount of people that I know on social media. I mean, I they are a huge encouragement to me, you know, when I, I'll, you know, first thing, you know, everybody gets up and they, you know, open their phone and they look at Facebook and everything. And then, you know, so you have those mornings where it's like, God, I don't want to do anything. I just want to lay here. And then you open up Facebook and you see all these posts from all your running groups where you're like, Hey, I got in two miles. I get in three miles. I get in this. Fine. I will get up and I will go out and do something, you know? Yeah. You're like jerks. (laughs) But I mean, how important would you say community is? Oh, it's so important. I mean, that's, I gotta, (laughs) I started my presence on Facebook, you know, and, and, you know, I got invited to all of these running groups. I mean, there's tons of them. And, you know, it's just hearing their stories and, you know, hearing about their struggles and hearing about how they have overcome their struggles. Um, One of my best friends, 
my best friend actually, um, she lives in Little Rock and she's lost, oh gosh, over 150 pounds. I mean, it's just her transformation is absolutely amazing. And she's an inspiration to me on a daily basis. You know, just her continuing to, you know, to keep that weight off and, you know, continuing to work. And it's just so amazing the kind of transformations that other people have, you know, that have already been on this journey, that are that are currently on this journey. And so, I mean, it's really like a, like you said, a community of inspiration going back and forth and back and forth. I mean, because... You know, someone may wake up and just be raring to go and pop out of bed and not have a problem and just be anxious to hit the day. And so they want to get out there and they want to, you know, and they'll they'll post their, their run and they'll, they'll, you know, I got up and just felt like a great day. And then there will be days when that same person will need the same encouragement that they just gave other people bounce back to them, you know, that they'll need that encouragement to get up and get out. And so, you know, having these these amazing and inspirational people on your Facebook newsfeed every day that just helps you to, you know, it's, we really are a huge community. I think social media and we're finding this on this tour is, is the driver, is the connector. And I mean, you have to have the story and and the will to get out there, but you know, we've been going, we've been traveling for four months now and we've been connecting with people and I'm sure you have as well on social media. And then you go to an event and you actually meet them. I feel when you finally connect with those people, you get even, you, you receive even more power. And that's what the whole point of this, this whole travel that we're on, this whole adventure is to bring the community together. And, and even sharing your story is going to bring more people into the community. And, you know, this, we're all separated you know, by miles and miles, but I feel like when we, when we finally connect, um, unique stories one by one, um, those are long lasting, um, relationships. And I feel like people can really thrive and use that as motivation for their, to get out in the morning or to, um, do something to fail, you know, because they see other people doing it. So, you know, I, as long-winded, I just think social media is such a great connector. It, it really is, and it's, 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 it's like everything. It's your relationship to it. But if you wake up in the morning and you don't want to get out there, there's nothing wrong with pulling what you need to pull, right? And so the inspiration is, could be the fuel, but nobody's going to pull the sheets off and put the shoes on except for you, yep. right? But when we see that other people are doing it, we start to see that, oh, they're having struggled too, or gosh, that was me yesterday. I really loved just getting out there. So I think two things, it's so important to share, like to just really share and be open and be vulnerable, which you you absolutely are, but also to pull from when people are doing that, right? And again, it's like this, it's this mm-hmm. endless line of support and community and inspiration because when it all boils down to it, Derek, you and me have had the same struggles, right? Like there's times where I do not want to get up and get out. There are times where I have sat in front of the television with potato chips and, you know, uh, that glass of wine too many just to numb out, to not have to feel what's happening. Like it's, I might look different now and be living a different life now, but that's because I've done the work. That's because I've pulled inspiration from people like you and all the people out there that are doing amazing things. And that 
we need to share our voices. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So I want to get back to the food. I love how you said that food is is fuel. And I am somebody, even though I'm little, like I'm somebody that I have a propensity to overeat. It's like my constitution. I really, I, I can just, I can eat myself sick. Like when we were younger, remember we go to parties with our friends and they'd be like, my girlfriends would be like, okay, don't, I would eat myself to sleep. Like literally would eat myself. I would <laughs> eat so, I was always the first one to sleep <laughs> and I'm always just been little, right? So like you were saying, like you, you know, you've got the, the weight, but then you don't have any of the symptoms that go along with it. I had like the, I would eat myself to a point where I would fall asleep because I was so full. But I never had the body to reflect that, right? So it's just, it's, it's all different. It's just mm-hmm. the package that we're put in. We're, we're the same in our essence. It's something that I work with every day is to look at food because I love the food we eat. It's beautiful. It's vibrant. It's by all means healthy. But I can still overeat. I can still eat too much kale salad because I love it so much. And so... How did you start to change that relationship to food? Because there was a big shift there, right? Where you were eating it just mindlessly to realizing that it's it's actually fuel for your body. Um, one of the big things that I did first and foremost was I tried to, as much as possible, cut back on fast food, um, cut back on drive throughs anything with a drive through Yeah, the, wi- the window <clears throat> diet where you pull yes. your car up and, yeah. And... Um, <laughs> You know, when I would go out to eat or, you know, you know, have food at home, I would, um, the biggest focus for me was um, choosing healthier options. So I would, you know, try to focus on salads, um, you know, less French fries, more vegetables, you know, um, you know, that kind of thing. And the other big thing was portion sizes, you know, just change the amount of food that I Oh, because the portion sizes in this country are ridiculous. And one of the big things that actually helped me that I was, um, that I found out was whenever I have dinner at home now, um, we usually have our regular size dinner plate and then we have like a saucer plate. And so I switched to putting all of my food on a saucer plate because in your, it, it's kind of like a mind thing, you know, mm-hmm. because you're like, I'm still filling up my plate. I mean, there's still, there's less food there, but I'm still filling up my plate. And so it's kind of a mind thing where it's like, you're still eating, you know, you're still he- having a full plate. There's just less food because it's a, sm- a smaller plate. And so that's one of the little tricks that I've learned that if you want to kind of trick your brain into, you know, <clears throat> eating less food, but still getting the amount of fuel that your body needs, um, you know, just switch to a smaller plate, you know, and, and, uh, I think that's such great advice. And that's what I talk to people about when I talk to them about eating more mindfully is like, we're going to fill our plate and sometimes plates are huge. And so just going to a smaller plate, or if we're at a holiday and our moms have like slaved over like your favorite, you know, like, and you want to eat because you love them. You love your mom and you love, you know, your family and they've created all this food. And so you feel almost like if, whether it's subconscious or not, like obligated to eat it all. But I think if you go to that smaller plate, finish that, and just wait. 20 we, minutes. We started doing mm-hmm. that. Like we, BJ would say that we, we would just get smaller portions and then, and again, even if it's healthy, like you can still overeat, like just changing your mindset of food to just be the fuel for, for this vehicle that we get to walk around in mm-hmm. is such a, uh, is such a big one. So you stop the fast food, which is 
telling me that um, I'm going to make the assumption that you started cooking more at home. For the most part, sometimes, you know, I'm at work and I don't, you know, I have to go out to eat or or stuff like that. I started trying to go um, more Subway, you know, Mm -hmm. with the salads. I I don't want to be a spokesperson for Subway, obviously, but their salads are amazing. They're they're chopped salads. And so um, I would go like all spinach instead of lettuce and like all vegetables, like run it through the garden, put all the vegetables on there. And um, I would still have, like, chicken or, um, you know, the roast turkey or whatever. But the other big thing that I found out is and everybody kind of churns down on Chipotle because of the, the issues that they've been having kind of recently. Um, something I don't know, like, they have a tofu. Yes, oh, Sofritas. We Sofritas. love we, Chipotle. And we love it. And it's funny because whenever Isn't I go to Chipotle, good? yeah, it's, those Sofritos are it's so good. It's so good. But whenever I go to Chipotle now, <laughs> it's not even like I want to do this. It just tastes better. Totally. Every time I go to Chipotle, I go vegan. Yay! I, I get the Sofritas, <laughs> I get the brown rice, the black beans, the veggies. And the guacamole. Gotta oh, get you the gotta guac. have the guacamole. Yeah, Doesn't I don't matter get the cheese. They're always, yeah. I don't get the cheese anymore. I don't get the sour cream. And it's just, I, it's not like I'm, you know, I'm gonna try to go vegan. It's just, I like it. It's really good. And That's it so tastes cool. delicious. We and love so, it. Yay. You know, <laughs> so your taste buds might have changed a little bit, right? Yeah. Because see, that's the other thing that you know, I found out there's foods that I actually like that I didn't that I don't know if I didn't used to like or I just hadn't eaten them in a while. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the big things that we go through at home now, like almost every meal that I absolutely love is Brussels sprouts. Oh, they're the best. I love Brussels sprouts. And okay, I don't know how you guys cook Brussels sprouts, but I have a little All right, and then, to us. And then I'm gonna share try. I'm gonna share my Brussels sprout with you. You follow the package we do the frozen Brussels sprouts. Follow the package directions, which is to boil them, but right almost right before they get done, drain it. And fry them in coconut oil. Ooh, because I like it, it crisps up the outside, mm. and you still get it's cooked all the way through, but it's crispy on the outside with the coconut oil. Oh my god, that sounds amazing! <laughs> and and something else I found that I actually like that I didn't think I would is asparagus. Oh, yeah. I didn't think I would like asparagus. Oh, you're an d- asparagus addict I'm right there. I love asparagus. I love asparagus. asparagus. Um, I'm like attracted to it in the store. Like I see, I'm like, whoa, hey, where you been? Well, when you know, I was talking about pub quiz, um, one of the places that I used to go um, was a uh, place called Bergen Barrel um, down in Overland Park. And I was exploring, you know, and I found out they have a salmon arugula salad on their arugula. menu. Mm. It's a pile of arugula with a big thing of salmon and then it has um asparagus on the top of it mm. and it has this like honey balsamic glaze or whatever done i've i and and goat cheese i forgot goat cheese that sounds like so at dish. first i love this so you're you're realizing right like we get into these mindsets where we're like i don't like that and i don't like that and i like this and it's like and it's like autopilot mm-hmm. yeah. right there's no yeah totally. bj's autopilot. raising his hand right now Autopilot. Yeah, I, I mean, like I think we've all three of us have been guilty mm-hmm. of that. So at first, though, at first, when you're making these changes, 
were you like, were you gagging down any of your meals? Were you like, this is awful, I feel deprived? Or how was the experience for you? Because um, you had a big shift. Towards the beginning, I was really missing soda. Like, uh, oh, well, I yeah. wanted my Sprite. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's designed to addict you. So you were going through and, withdrawals. Um, you know, it's, and, you know, the fast food thing also. I mean, I still fall off the wagon, so to speak, occasionally, especially if I'm running late at work and I have like, I don't have the the time, you know, to go out and wait in line at Chipotle or sub or Subway or whatnot, and so I just run through a drive through really quickly. But um, but you dust yourself off, and but you even move then, forward. Like I've started discovering healthy things at the fast food places that I didn't think existed. Awesome. Another one that I found out: Chick Fil A. Chick Fil A. I used to. Their regular chicken sa- sandwiches, you know, the breaded chicken sandwiches, which I don't do anymore because the breading and the whole, you know, the everything. Number one, they have grilled chicken nuggets. I've never heard of that before, but it's just basically grilled chicken breast in nugget form. Delicious. They have salads that are amazing with grilled chicken. They have these chicken salad wraps now that are awesome. And, you know, and, and the other thing that I started going away from is cream-based dressings. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. And so that's I went just, to... That's just empty calories. Just and heavy, so I went to, yeah. like, vinaigrettes and, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of the oil and vinegar-based dressings. Um, but it's just little stuff that you don't even think about. And, um, you know, they give you the package of the vinaigrette, and I would only use, like, a third to a half of it, maybe. And, you know, realizing... And someone... Another trick that someone taught me is instead of putting the dressing on your salad, um, you keep a little thing in a cup and then you like dip your fork Mm. in it and then take a bite of the salad. And so you get enough dressing to be able to taste it, but you you use far less than you would if you just dumped the... uh, Thing of dressing on your salad. These are awesome tips. And I love, I just want to say one thing about fast food is that there is a shift. There is a shift in the menu items and there are, you know, now there's vegan items, you know, because there's more of a demand for plant-based because plant-based eating is, is showing to reverse these common um, killers like diabetes, heart disease, high blood pressure. And so there's a shift. And so every time you go to Chick-fil-A and you get the salad, like you vote, you say, I am Derek Mitchell and I am voting for healthier food. And all, every time we purchase food at the grocery store, at a restaurant, we start to, we can make a shift, right? We can shift it in the direction of health or we can shift it in the direction of um, of unhealth. And I, I, I don't want anyone to underestimate how powerful every single one of their choices are. It's kind of funny because when I first started trying to eat healthier, um, the job I used to work at, um, one of the managers there was a major plant-based vegan and um, so he actually gave me a challenge because I was wanting to try and use um, – because it, it was at Cabela's. It was, um, you know, outdoor, outdoor gear and everything. And so I was wanting to see if I could use one of their GoPros whenever I was doing my runs and everything. And he said, okay, go vegan for a month. And so I actually went vegan for an entire month. And <laughs> number one – it's really hard. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm the kind of person. I love milk. I mean, no, 
no, I don't, if, if that's not your cup of tea, that's cool. <laughs> I love milk. I just, morning glass of milk, it's one of my favorite things in the whole world. So that was tough. Um, and the other thing was going out to eat, especially if you go with your family. Um, number one, it's hard to try and stay to that type of eating regimen. But number two, a lot of the places will actually work with you a lot. Yes. And um, I remember while I was doing my vegan challenge, um, we went to Applebee's one time. And they had this like grilled chicken meal that had vegetables on the side. And it had this like mango chutney or whatever. And um, also uh, something else on the menu was a grilled portobello mushroom cap. And it was like this, it was basically like a mushroom steak. Mm-hmm. It was, and so I was like, can I get that with the mushroom? And they're like, yeah, no problem. And so I had like this grilled portobello mushroom. It's so good. Yeah, you so can good. make it work. So we're plant-based and we've been on the road for a while. And even, even like in the middle of nowhere, Tennessee, remember like on the side of the highway, I found like, I just wanted some kind of snack, you know? And so I went into the convenience store at the gas station, not thinking I was going to find anything. And I found multi-grain, non-GMO, like, tortilla chips. You know, it's it's not going to give me, like, the phytonutrients of spinach. But there's, there's like, it's it's happening. Like, there's there's a change. And you Even can make it work. Even to this day, I prefer bean chips over oh, potato chips. Benitos. Yeah. yeah, aren't they great? Gosh. They're so good. <laughs> I want the veggie straws. Yeah. Oh, yeah, those, Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but Those the, you have the to change is happening, and just I think it was yesterday, the day before, I was reading that Tyson invested five percent into uh, Beyond Meat, which is Whoa. the leading um, alternative meat product um, out there. They have like soy-based products that, and it it tastes the burgers taste like burgers. Um, so the shift is happening. But I also wanted to mention it sounds like you're, it sounds like you're becoming super mindful. Like you're you're there with your food, whereas before it was mundane. It seems like you're you're so present with your food choices. Like even when you do you you don't have a meal and and you don't have time, you you know that you're aware of it and you you do it anyway because you know you can just start again. Like you can just start again. So I think that's a huge shift that I want um, at least our listeners to to understand that you don't have to go through your day just numbing out like you can be there in the moment and and select your choices whether it's the the food portion or the types of food you're eating or when you're eating it the other thing that i kind of notice is sometimes um i like i don't know if it's like an i felt like i was eating all the time like my big thing wasn't i would overeat in a meal i mean occasionally i would do that but my big thing was i would eat a regular size portion meal and then, like, two hours later, I would want another regular-sized portion meal. Mm-hmm. And it was just, you know, every two hours, I was, you know, all throughout the day. And so um, one thing I found that kind of helps me <laughs> that I, used to, I do at work all the time, which I think annoys my boss more than anything else, sunflower seeds. Oh, yeah, those are great. I love sunflower seeds because I can, you know, put it in my cheek. And, I mean, over the course of the day, I don't eat very many but it's just, it's something that keeps me going and it helps me to, it almost helps me focus too. I mean, just kind of having those and, and, um, and it's something that is healthier than constantly eating throughout the day. 
Oh, absolutely. And it's going to, you're going to get more satiated by it because it's a whole food. Your body's going to know what to do with it. Like your body doesn't really know what to do with Cheez-Its. It's like, what am I, this isn't food. But something like that, like sunflower seeds and all of that. And, you know, just over time being able to change your cravings and your taste buds and things like that. Like when you walk into Chipotle and you're like, oh, so Frida's, you know. I'm going to Chipotle for lunch tomorrow. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Done deal. We know what you're getting. And I'll Uh, I'll take a picture on Facebook and I'll tag you. (laughs) So, yes, yes, yes. Um, So two things. One, the Brussels sprouts. I want to get back to that because I said I was going to share my recipe. Have you ever, do you ever use nutritional yeast or have you heard of it? Never heard of it. Okay, well, it's like it's kind of like the um, the vegan cheese, right? That's not really. It gives things like a cheesy taste. Okay. It looks like fish food, but it's also a really great source of B twelve, and you can probably get it. There's a Sprouts around here, yes. and you can. I bet you can get it mm-hmm. at Sprouts. I knew all about Sprouts when I was on the vegan channel. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you did. And um, I call them cheesy brussies. And I just do them like in olive oil. You could do them in coconut oil. I bet that would be good too. Like on kind of a lower heat so they get like a little bit soft. And then um, and they're like nice and marinated in the oil. And then you put the nutritional yeast on it and a little bit of salt. And you let them sit in that. And they're just like cheesy, yummy, crunchy. And you know how you get all the textures with yep. it? And the other thing is, um, so in November of 2014, you got on the scale at 625. You have done, I can't even count how many 5Ks you've done. And that doesn't even matter because you're like training all the time. 47 5Ks. Oh my God. What's the math on that? What's 47 times 3.1 miles? BJ. 120. 141. <laughs> 141. Something. So 100, something like that. Somebody's checking, somebody's checking the math right now, I'm sure. And you're training, how many days a week are you trying to get out to do um, that? I usually try to get out at least two, three times a week. Awesome. Um, and then doing a race on the weekends? Just about every weekend now. <laughs> awesome. You Starting, ch- start, I have my break over the summer, and so the rest of the year it's Time to get back to work, Derek. Weekend. Dust yourself off. It's time <laughs> to get back to the starting line. And so where are you now in your weight loss journey? Um, I've been up and down. Mm-hmm. I've had some up and downs. I think I'm hovering around like 560 right now. Mm-hmm. So it's been around 60 to 70 pounds weight loss. I was up to like 100 and then I went back down and I just, everything's been fluid. Mm-hmm. So less than two years um, you've been on this. Yeah, less than two years. And the other thing that's that's my doctor said is supposed to help me is that because at the when they found my tumor, uh, my prolactin level, which is supposed to be no higher than 18, was 1,500. Whoa. And um, my testosterone level, which is supposed to be between 250 and 800, was 31. So they've had me on the pill to shrink my medication. My prolactin level is down to like 35, which is a much better level than, you know. Yeah, that's significant change. It's still got a little bit lower to get down to under 18. But for the past three months, they've had me on testosterone replacement therapy. So... Once I get my testosterone levels up where they're supposed to be, then that should help boost my metabolism and help encourage all the stuff that I'm already doing for my weight loss. Oh, absolutely. And then I have one more thing that I'd like to throw in there. Uh-oh. Yoga and meditation, they increase your testosterone levels naturally in your body. Really? So even, yes. So I will- My dad um, and I used to do water yoga. At oh, oh, cool. I love it. So think about, let that marinate, 
And even um, meditation, that could be um, waking up in the morning and just taking, it, it starts with just one breath, just one fully conscious breath, following it with your awareness, like start to finish. You could do five breaths, you know, that could move into sitting just quietly for three minutes mm-hmm. every morning. And just naturally, it ba- helps to balance out your body, your hormones. And especially it's, it's, it's um, you know, the biggest effect is going to be on stress in the body. And so lowering cortisol levels, which really suppresses your metabolism. Right. So I'm going to put some links in the show notes okay. around that. So you can check that out as well. But you are on the Yogi Triathlete podcast. So we had to throw <laughs> that in there. Uh, what else? You have any you final questions? Talk about the cheesy brussies. I did. She I did. just did. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. The cheesy brussies. Sure. All right. So Where I have... have been? <laughs> so he was zoning out. I'm still thinking, thinking about Chipotle. About, yeah, totally. <laughs> you totally... Like, is there one near here? Well, he's going there for lunch tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. How long are you in Kansas City? We're, gonna, we're heading out tomorrow. <laughs> I know. We could have had... Um, tag us in your post. We'll be yeah. there with you. Yeah, we'll tag you back because I have a feeling we're going to be going there pretty soon. <laughs> I've got one final question for you, Derek. Okay. For that person that is complacent on the couch, that is, you know, doubtful of their ability to st- even start, uh, let alone finish, uh, you know, a goal of a change in their lifestyle to be more healthy, someone who is frightened by what their perceived reaction is going to be from other people. What is one thing that they could do tomorrow morning to start changing their life? Or right now? Right now, what is one thing they could do right now? What I always tell people is that I've been the biggest out there. I've been the slowest out there. There's been so many races where I have had my cop car buddy following me, opening up intersections right behind me. I have, like, I've taken tons of selfies with cop cars behind me. You know, my my second, my the second 10K I ever did, um, I had a front and back police presence because they had to open up the streets. And so I had a cop car in front of me and a cop car behind me that was protecting me as traffic was flowing around me so that I could finish the race, you know. So I've been the biggest, I've been the slowest, and I can guarantee you that you will find nowhere more welcome, more encouraging, and more positive than out on that course. But the biggest thing that I would tell people is start small, do what you can do. You know, if you can only walk to the end of your driveway, walk to the end of your driveway. Walk to get the mail, take a walk with your dog, go to the park, walk to the first tree you see and walk back. You know, if that's all that you can do, awesome, do that. But be consistent. You know, at least two to three times a week, get out there, try to hit that tree again. Try to hit that tree again. Once you've done that for like two or three weeks, try to hit the next tree. You know, try to go around a block, try to go two blocks, try to go three blocks. But the biggest thing is listen to your body. You know, if something starts to hurt, slow down, figure out what's hurting. Whenever I first started doing 5Ks, um, you know, <laughs> my first one, you know, I did one in 2011. It's like an hour and 48 minutes. My 5K in March is an hour and 28 minutes. My 5K in April was like an hour and 22 minutes. My 5K in May was like an hour and 18 minutes. And of course I was PRing every time because I was getting into the groove and I was getting into, you know, what I felt like. 
But I got so focused on, I want to PR every single time. Mm -hmm. I want to get out there and I want to do this. That I got so focused on that that I ended up getting a stress fracture in my foot. Just because I was, I was like, I was, I'd forgotten why I started doing that. I was focused on time, PR, speed. I want to get faster and get faster and get faster and get faster. But that wasn't why I started doing this. And I forgot that 5Ks are fun. You know, mm-hmm. that's not why I'm out there. I'm not, and I'm not saying it, it's bad. People want to get up, you know, try to strive for that PR, try to better themselves. That is awesome. Continue doing that. For me, I'm out there to lose weight and I'm out there to finish 5Ks. And some days I'll do, I'll do better than my previous time. Some days I'll do worse than my previous time. Some days I will heavily unanticipate how hilly this course is <laughs> and I will not realize um, you know, that it's a five, you know, however many incline from the start to the finish, you know, <laughs> I will not realize that. And so, you know, I'll have tough five K's. I'll have fun five K's. I'll have fast five K's. I'll have slow ones. But the, the point is, uh, I'm, my foot is crossing the starting line and my foot is crossing the finish line. And that's my goal is to finish a five K. That's, that's such Beautiful advice for athletes of all levels. Like never forget why we do what we do because it is so supportive and there's such a bigger purpose in there. And it's about the journey, right? Because life is so precious and we don't know when our journey is going to end. And and I think you saw that with your dad and that terrible accident. Like you just don't realize. So savor every breath. Right, and, and keep uh, reminding yourself about why you're doing what you're doing. And if you see me out there, walk with me. I would love to walk with you. I would take a picture. We can, you know, talk the entire time. I love walking with people, and I love meeting people, and um, I love taking pictures. And so, please. So this journey is coming. It's come a long way already. Yes. So let's fast forward a little bit. Let's go five years from now and you're listening back to this podcast, <laughs> where do you want to see yourself? Is it, is it, do you want to see 105 Ks? Do you want to see... Um... Um, I think five years is a good amount of time for me to be part of the tenth of a one percent of the population that has completed a marathon. Yeah, boy. I love it. We love it. Maybe we'll come and was... do that with you. If you need coaching, I will coach you through that marathon. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Oh my gosh, Derek, thank you it. so much for being here. I absolutely. I thank see you, you and me. I see such a strong, just inspiring, open and willful person who is going to accomplish everything. And I think you are such a blessing in this world and a blessing to yourself. So thank you very much. And and it's an honor to know you and to sit across from you and have this exchange. And I cannot wait to share you with everyone. So thank you so much. And we're going to keep our eye on your schedule because it seems like you're traveling. And if we see that you're in our area, we are are so going to be there (laughs) with you. Derek Mitchell. Amazing, right? BJ and I were so honored to sit down with such a beautiful soul and share in the exchange that you guys just listened to. And then after we turned the mics off, I have to say, we threw down some yoga poses in our hotel room. It was awesome. Derek is awesome. And I hope you got a feel from that. 
from our conversation today. You know, everyone is going to take away something different from this conversation and every conversation that we bring you each week. But the key is tuning into those moments, those notes of life that hit you. You know what I'm talking about? The ones that hit a chord and then they create curiosity within you. Keep looking for those in your life. And remember that when they pass through you, they are there because you are to learn from them. Thanks again for tuning in. And please share this podcast with someone you love. Share Derek's story with the intention that putting it out there will create a bigger trickle effect of his purpose and maybe, just maybe, spark the light of change within someone who needs it. Give us some love on social and spend a few moments to share your experience on iTunes. Your reviews are tremendously helpful to the show. And hey, you never know, they may just be a part of your purpose. All right, everyone, I'm sending you the high vibe love from Yogi Triathlete Nerve Center here in Carlsbad, California. So much love to you all.